Welcome, everyone, to the fourth episode of Top Takes. I'm your Jesse. I'm Josh. Um, and today's a special episode. We're with uh, NFL former NFL player Kevin Booth. Uh, he played on the Raiders and the Giants and won two Super Bowls in the Giants. Welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, of course. Um, so we have a, we're just going to have a few questions for you just to hear about your career and your experience in the NFL and growing up and how sure. and how that's gone for you. So, yeah. Josh, Jesse, you want to do the, uh, Yeah, I'll do the first one. When you were younger, did you always play football or were there other sports you were interested in? As a high schooler, what would a typical weekend look like for you sports-wise? Great question. So I grew up in uh, Florida. I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I played a bunch of sports. Actually, the first sport that I played was probably baseball. And that's what I played the most growing up. And then um, as I got into middle school, I actually went to a private school in Fort Lauderdale called Pinecrest, um, <clears throat> where I could go from middle school all the way through high school. And, and there I played uh, football, basketball and baseball throughout middle school. And then once I got to high school, I only played football and, um, you know, typically in season. So if you're talking about the fall, when I got to high school, a typical weekend would be playing the game either Friday or Saturday. And then um, Sunday, we would just kind of hang out really. Um, and obviously we would talk about the game and things of that nature, but nothing too crazy. I think that's what's been the big difference nowadays compared to when I was in high school, um, you know, over 20 years ago is that it's become more like college. And by that, I mean, I'm hearing now that a lot of high school kids will watch their film the day after the game, or they'll do something the day after the game. Whereas growing up for us, we didn't necessarily do that until the Monday after the weekend. So I think that's been probably the biggest change that I've noticed. So, so it wasn't very like intense or, or overwhelming for you. No, <laughs> not at all. It's, it's kind of funny to, to see that now, how, um, how serious everything is in terms of the time commitment for us, it wasn't necessarily as long, uh, back when I played. Yeah. And through like high school, middle school and on your way to college, like who really pushed you? Who's your biggest supporter? Um, you know what? Probably uh, my family. So I have one older brother. He's 10 years older than me. And he played football as well. Uh, he played in high school and he played in college. He went to East Carolina University. And actually he wore number 77. And that's the reason why I wore 77 for the majority of my career. And he was an offensive lineman as well. So he was probably the biggest influence on my playing career. Yeah, yes, Jesse sure. has two older brothers, and they both also play college sports. Yeah, so. I do. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Wait, That's awesome. so it's fun, isn't it? Yeah, it is fun. I'm also a football player, too. So. Oh, nice. Oh, lineman. There you go. I love it. So you weren't 77 your whole career. You were 67, right? I was 67 when I went to the Raiders. So when I was drafted by the Raiders um, in 2006, uh 77 was taken so I wore oh. 67 there my first year with the Raiders and then um my se next seven years with the Giants and I wore 77 there and then when I went back to the Raiders to end my career I had the opportunity to wear 77 but I decided ah you know what I wore 67 the first time I was here I wore 67 again so I wore kind 67 like a, again. kind of like a LeBron yeah kind of something similar but not quite as successful as LeBron yeah. Josh? Uh, 
What made you pick Cornell? Did Cornell's amazing education prepare you for your very important job now at the NFL? Please explain what your role is with your job. Thank you. Great questions once again. Um, yes. So I went to Pinecrest, which is a private school that uh, really focused on academics. So, uh, you know, when the opportunity came around to play college football, I thought that going to Cornell was going to provide me with the best of both worlds. You know, I'd be able to get a great education and then obviously play football at a pretty high level. And I figured if I was good enough in football, they'll find you. You know, I don't have to go to Alabama or Ohio State. I wasn't good enough to go there uh, coming out of high school. But um, the one good thing about scouting at the NFL is that they find players from Cornell. They find players from smaller schools. They find players from, um, you know, international areas as well. I mean, the starting right tackle, I mean, the starting left tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl, he's a rugby yeah. player from Australia, right? Jordan Mailata. So yeah. that shows you how, uh, how much scouting goes into the NFL. And in terms of the league office, I've been in the league office now for about six years and I've had multiple roles. So I've worked in sponsorship, which is more like sales. I've worked in football operations in the league office. And then within the last year, I've moved over to a group called Management Council, which actually uh, manages the salary cap and uh, approves player contracts. So I see every type of player contract that comes through and I help teams with their uh, salary cap uh, management. Wow. A lot of big contracts over last office season. Yeah, yeah. And you probably saw that the salary cap was set yesterday. And that's one of the things that we uh, work on with our finance group is to determine the salary cap for each team each year. Are you in Arizona right now, right? I, I am. I am. I actually just got to Arizona uh, yesterday, late last night. And as a part of my responsibilities, uh, it's basically all hands on deck. So I actually work with the teams um, as a liaison during the time of the Super Bowl. So I'll be out here for a couple of weeks through the game. So have you made have you made any changes to the Super Bowl? Like your and that's the Super Bowl to the season. Uh, you mean in terms of how the game's played and things? Of yeah. That um, no, you know what? Not necessarily, but we work directly with um, the competition committee and we help enforce those rules, whether it's player work rules or uh, training camps and things of that nature. So that's where we come into play. So um, our group helps negotiate any types of changes to the season or the schedule. So I guess in a way, yes. Uh, because we work with the with the NFLPA, the Players Union, to agree on certain things, such as the 17th game or, um, you know, how the playoff format will be. So all those things have yeah. to be agreed upon by both the league as well as the Players Union. So we do work with them on that. That's cool. Um, yeah. So what was the draft and free agency process like? For me as a player? Yeah. Yeah. So the draft itself, I was, I was drafted in the sixth round in 2006. Um, honestly, it was the longest two days ever. So back then it was, the draft was just two days. I think it was the first through third rounds was on Saturday and then rounds four through seven were on Sunday. And there was a chance that I could get drafted in the third round. 
So I watched the entire oh. first day oh. and then I thought I would go pretty high on the second day and I didn't go until the sixth round. So it was a long experience. So while most people are ecstatic about it, I was more relieved to be drafted. Yes. And um, similar in terms of free agency, it's it's a little nerve wracking, honestly, because unless you're one of those top free agents where you sign a new contract with a new team um, immediately when free agency opens, when you hear about some of these players, when those deals get done, like as soon as free agency gets open, um, I wasn't that type of player. So I had to wait a little bit and negotiate. My agent negotiated with my current team and then um, with any other team. So I, you know, it was more of just trying to figure out how it would all work out. And yeah. a couple of times that I was a free agent, I, one time I re-signed with the Giants and the other time was at the end of my career when I actually signed with the Raiders and left the Giants to go back to the Raiders. So there's a lot of uncertainty, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It can be fun at times. Um, but other times you just want to know where you'll be. So, yeah. uh, be a little... Yeah. Uneasy so, at is it so, ever like intimidating joining a team on like the first day because like they know that you just got signed and you might take their starting spot like yeah like, what are the feelings on the first day of training camp for you yeah great question and honestly you you get in before training camp so typically the oh. off-season program you know when you're a free agent you sign in march so you're there for like OTAs and things like that. And it's it's kind of like being a new kid in school, right? Like mm -hmm. you might know some of the players, you might've played with some of the players, but for the most part, you don't know them. You might know a couple of the coaches, but um, so it's a way of, you know, you kind of have that new kid in school feeling of trying to get into the locker room. But for the most part, everybody's very cool. Um, my rookie, after my rookie year, when I signed with the Giants um, after I was waived by the Raiders. I actually joined right after training camp. So that was really like oh. a crash course because they're going right into week one of the regular season. And then I'm coming in as a new player on the team. So it's that's probably similar to like those players that get traded in the middle of the season where it's like everything's already going and then you got to try to fit in on the fly. So um, it's 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 cool because, you know, when you play this game long enough, you tend to know either you know people on the team or you know someone who knows someone on the team. So you try yeah. to find that common ground. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, what else you guys got? What what position uh, do you play, Jesse, in football? Well, uh, so in middle school, I played I played center. Oh, okay. Uh, well, that that was kind of because nobody else could really snap. But for the for the rest of the years, I was kind of switching between the guard position, right guard, left guard, okay. and I'm hoping to play that in high school. Yeah, those are all the positions I played. Uh, I actually started yeah. as a um, right guard at the at the in the NFL as a rookie, and then as I was with the Giants, I learned to play left guard as well as center. And even back to college days, I played both tackle positions as well. So I had wow. to play a little bit of tackle and then uh jumbo tight end at times too, uh, which is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you've played in two Super Bowls, what were your team's preparations for these games? Like, was it different being a backup on the first Super Bowl? And like on the second Super Bowl, I know you were a key player for like the Giants, like you were a starter. Yeah. Was it different? You know what? I tried to keep it the same because – 
whenever you dress for an NFL game, that means whether you're a starter or you're not, you're only one play away from going in because you can only dress a certain number of players. It's not like college where everyone dresses and you have 120 players on a team and you're like the, you could be the fifth string, you know, right guard. At the NFL level, if you're dressing, you're one of, uh, you know, 47 or 48 players that are dressing or 46 players back when I played. And that meant that you were either first string or you were second string. And that means you could go in at any moment. So in terms of my preparation, I tried to um, prepare as if I was a starter and keep my mind ready to go in at any moment. Um, obviously it is a little bit different because you know, in one case you're a backup and the other case, you know, you're starting. So um, you try to keep it as normal as possible. And I think even with both of those teams, we tried to do the same thing with coach Coughlin and the rest of my teammates is you tried to prepare for the game as though it's a normal game, even though it isn't right. Everything is much more um, important. The lights are brighter. There's more people around. You're in the city for a longer amount of time. So the most important thing for us was to try to keep our preparation and practice as close to as normal as possible so that we felt as comfortable as possible playing in the game. Yeah, staying with Coach um, Coughlin, who had a very old school style and demand a lot from his players. Do you prefer the old school style? Because now, now you're seeing more of like an analytical way. Do you prefer uh -huh. like the old school way or the new way? Well, I'm biased because I, I grew up and learned the game playing for Coach Coughlin. So I'll always kind of appreciate his way of doing things. Um, but people always think that he's this big, tough guy and he yells a lot, which he did. But behind the scenes, he's actually a great coach who took care of us and, um, you know, was a, a very uh, loving coach. I do think that the game has changed quite a bit and there is a lot of that analytical or that younger type of player coach uh, mentality that that um, is in the game now. And I think that's just the way the game goes. I think there's never a perfect way to do it and the game will always evolve. And that's just the method that is most successful now. And, you know, in 10 or 15 years, it'll be something different in terms of the way the game is coached and the way the game, um, you know, the way players are as well. So it's exciting. It's fun. Uh, you know, I enjoy watching the game now and seeing how much it's changed in such a short amount of time since I played. Yeah. Jesse, you have a question. Did, did that did that like type of play like did his coaching influence your type of play? Yeah, I think you you whenever you're on a team, especially a successful team, you almost take on the personality of your coach, you know, and you become an extension of the coach. And I think the most successful teams are the ones that do or act in a way that the coach wants. So I think that those Giants teams were very reflective of Coach Coughlin, which is a tough, no-nonsense way of playing the game, playing the game without uh, making as many mistakes as the other team and giving yourself a chance to win. And I think that's kind of the way we um, were viewed by other teams around the NFL. So I think we were definitely a reflection of his personality and his coaching style. Yeah. So with your coaches and your other teammates, like was it one big brotherhood? What was it like between you guys? Yeah, it's definitely a close team because you spend so much time. Um, it's funny because I always look back and say, you know, the amount of time that we played or that we practiced is actually not that much, but we were at the facility for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 hours a day. 
um, but only on the practice field for an hour and a half. So the rest of that time is watching film and lifting weights and um, in position meetings and things of that nature. So you spend so much time with these people uh, more than your regular family, right? Um, especially yeah. during the season. So you become very close. And I think that that was probably the differentiating factor between those two championship teams and all the other teams that I've been on is just how close we were as a team. I've been on other teams that were probably more talented and definitely played against teams that were more talented. But that X factor, that that togetherness is probably what led us to those two championships. Yeah. Um, and now for the final question, like you made your way to the biggest stage in, the, in all football. What advice, Josh and I are both kids playing sports. What advice would you give um, to a kid hoping to play sports in their future? Yeah, I would say to appreciate the journey. And by that, I mean, um, don't look ahead, right? Don't worry about what next year is going to look like or what two years are going to look like or when you get to high school or things of that nature. Uh, focus on what you can control right now and enjoy it because it goes by very fast. And if you uh, really focus in and, and give your all in the present moment, all that other stuff ahead of you will work out. So, um, you know. That's, it, it sounds a little cliche, but it's true. It's true. Enjoy it and work hard for the current moment. Don't look too far ahead. Yeah, we could tell because yeah. you, you mentioned that you went to Cornell for both the academic and being able to play football at a high level. So we see that. So we see that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, if you're good enough, you, you can be you'll you'll they'll, they'll find you, whether that's even mm -hmm. getting recruited to play in college, you know, um, so I wouldn't focus on get hung up on that stuff, you know, enjoy your time being this age, having fun with your teammates and competing at a high level. Yeah. And also I'm like genuinely curious in your career, do you have like a best play, like a play that sticks out to you or like a that highlight? That you remember? Uh, or like you know, a moment the, or moment? <laughs> the yeah. one that I see all the time is if you watch the Mario Manningham catch in Super Bowl 46, I had to block Vince Wilfork on that play and I'm holding on for dear life. And as Eli steps up to throw the ball, Eli's like an inch away from running into both of us as he throws the ball. So um, that's probably my most memorable play, just being able to hold on just enough to block Vince Wilfork as uh, Eli makes the pass to Mario Manningham down the sideline. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's cool. And yeah. the, did you have good relationships with the people on, on the opposing teams? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that I, I bump into players that I've gone against. I've worked with players that I've played against. Uh, you know, it, there is a, a brotherhood of sorts, you know, once you play in the NFL and even in college, too. There's people that I played against that I didn't enjoy playing against, whether it was Yale people or Harvard people. Uh, but, yeah, you definitely have a good relationship with them, especially after the fact, because there's a great appreciation for going through everything that we did. Um because you know how it is, even at this level, whenever you play a sport and you practice and you do all those things that might not necessarily be fun, there's something about having teammates that have gone through it with you. And there's that, that there's that bond there that others don't quite understand or get. So, um, you know, whether it's teammates or opponents, um, you do appreciate the level of commitment and the hard work and the effort that went into playing that sport. So uh, there's always that, uh, you know, that brotherhood of some sort, uh, whether it's with your teammates or others. 
Yeah, and who would you say on those two Super Bowl teams, who was like, who was the biggest leader in the locker room? Who uh, you know, the, the good, the great question. The thing, the thing about those teams is that everyone kind of had their own way of leading. So while we had captains, whether it was Eli or Justin Tuck, or even looking back to those, the first team was Strahan and others, Antonio Pierce. Um, everybody had to lead in a certain way. Um, everybody had to contribute in a certain way. And it was a true understanding of the team. So, um, you know, I think that's what made those teams so special is that everyone was willing to, you know, put their ego aside and be, um, you know, whatever was needed of the team to be successful. Yeah, that's great. Josh, do you have anything else? Oh, I think we covered everything. Yeah. All right. I think that might conclude our, our, our fourth episode. Thank you so much, Mr. Booth. Um, this was awesome. For coming onto the podcast and taking your time. You got it, guys. This was I fun. Hope, I enjoyed it. And hopefully we can do this again sometime. Yeah. I hope your time with the Super Bowl teams goes well. Um, Thanks. Any predictions? Uh, so I have, I, like, I didn't, I had the, I had the other two teams winning. I had the Bengals and the 49ers <laughs> winning. Okay. So I now I'm stuck with the Eagles and Chiefs, but after seeing the way that the Eagles played, like how could you not? They've been playing so well this postseason. Yeah, but as a Giants fan, we're both Giants fans, but me as a Giants fan, I just can't pick the Eagles or root yeah. for the Eagles. I have to That's go with true. the Chiefs. We're we're so, big Giants. Fans. I think it's gonna be a good I think it's gonna be a good one. Um, you know, yeah, I think throughout the course of the year, the Eagles have definitely played the most impressive and been the most impressive throughout the year but at times I find it very difficult to pick against mm -hmm. uh, Patrick Mahomes so yeah it's it's gonna be a an interesting one I just hope it's a great game and I'm sure it'll be exciting yeah Patrick yeah. it's so hard to go against Patrick Mahomes and then they lit the Empire State Building up for Eagles yeah, I saw that that was kind that. of I didn't I didn't like that yeah, that one was pretty funny on uh, Twitter. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, you got it, guys. You. Oh, all right. I'm. Um...